Hey friends, welcome to the Love Intently podcast, where each week I bring you relationship experts, inspiring couples, and first-class relationship thought leaders from around the world. I'm on a mission to explore what exactly makes love last and to empower a generation to have strong relationships. I'm your host, Sophie Kwok, the chief love enthusiast who believes that relationships are the most important part of our lives. And if you're looking to build a stronger relationship or to take a proactive approach towards love, loveintently.com hosts an array of articles, podcasts, resources, and love tips to help you build and keep strong relationships. I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey friends, today's episode is an absolute treat as we sit down with Brad and Tammy Miller from Tandem Marriage. They've known each other since they were 12 and 13, and they have been married for 33 years. Tammy is a licensed marriage and family therapist and the clinical director at a group counseling practice. She helps some of the most challenged marriages learn to work things out and thrive. Brad is retired from 26 years as a professional firefighter, and currently he helps manage things behind the scenes at the counseling group and tandem marriage. It is always a blast chatting with Tammy and Brad, as they are both funny and deep and insightful and wise. They share how they've overcome what they call the dark years, as divorce was super common in both of their families, and they're complete opposites, but they did not want that to be true for them. So they overcame their trials and wrote a book called Ready to Surrender, where they share insights on overcoming poor communication, which they share with us today. So without further ado, here's our conversation. Welcome, Brad and Tammy, to the Love Intently podcast. We are so excited to have you. We are super excited to be here. Absolutely. Looking forward to this. Yes. Well, I just want to start by having you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves, how you guys met, and what led you to start Tandem Marriage. Well, we've been married 33 years. We have two adult daughters, one that's 24 and one that's 28 that's married and has blessed us with a grandson who's turning two and a granddaughter that's on the way this coming August. Um, so that's a little bit about us. And Brad's a retired firefighter. A retired firefighter. We actually have pastored a church before. Uh, we've been through all of the ups and downs of marriage. Um, statistics say we shouldn't be married, but we're doing it <laughs> and happily. So uh, it's been quite a journey and a really great one. And we're so honored to be here. By the way, Tammy didn't mention that she is a full-time marriage counselor and right now I work for her <laughs> at our counseling practice. Uh, and we stay super busy with that as well. Yes, I'm a family therapist and we have a staff of about 14 at our group practice. And people that come to work for me directly, they want me to train them uh, how to recover the most severely broken marriages around. And that's what I do best. They kind of call me the, the 9-1, you know, 911 or life support counselor around here. And that's what I do just about every day. (laughs) Was there anything in particular that kind of led you down this path or when in your marriage did you decide to focus on empowering other people's marriages? 
Well, I would say that that came about when we were kids, actually. We, we both came from broken homes. In fact, between our parents and our siblings, I have two brothers. Red has three. There are 13 divorces around us. So that's a lot. And so here, Brad and I were young. We met when we were 12 and 13 years old um, from our older brothers being best friends. Brad and I were friends, even though I had a mad crush on him. It took him a little longer to to, to notice me. And she's even cuter now than she was at 12. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> I hope so. I was pretty gawky at 12. <laughs> um but when we got married, um, you know, it was it was tough for us, and we just found mentors and have yeah. been inspired to not only change what's happened in our families by not looking for an exit all the time, you know, called divorce, um, but we have also just seemed to be called naturally to other people as well, and have ministered through the church and, of course, professionally to cu- young couples now because we're old. <laughs> older, older. What would you add? Um, and then, um, really, the idea for tandem marriage came out of two things. First of all, uh, we've always had a tandem bike. I think it was our second Christmas together. I bought Tammy a tandem bike. It was one of those Christmas presents that I didn't know how it was going to go over, and it went over really well. That's about thirty uh, years ago. So a long time. We've always ridden a tandem bike together. And the second thing was, we saw couples, or we do see couples day in and day out that are broken and hurting. And we were, we were desperate to get on the front end of that and help couples not end up in that place 15, 20, 30 years from now. So tandem marriage is where we, we try to pour into couples before they ever get in that really awful broken place and uh, prevent them from doing so as much as possible. Yeah. So tandem bike, that's super cool. Have you guys had any funny accidents or incidents with that? (laughs) Well, he, Brad gets, uh, sometimes he gets a, a smack on the back of the head when he's scaring me half to death because Brad <laughs> likes to go fast and I'm, I like to just kind of cruise and take in all the sights and he wants to get to the destination. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of times where I'm like, stop, slow down, don't go there. But the reason why I tend to bike is, is pretty uh, accurate in marriage is because you have to trust Sometimes you have to let go of control. You, you, you know, you just have to. You have to communicate. Yeah, you have to communicate. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and if someone else is, you know, in charge of some a decision or directing something because that's what we decided, then we have to sometimes let go and and trust that. And the tandem bike takes a lot of coordination, and so does marriage. A lot of communication and trust and. Uh, yeah, we still have that bike, by the way. Um, it's it's a neat bike. <laughs> and she's right. I have been smacked in the head a few times. Nothing reportable and nothing that left a mark. <laughs> just <laughs> just enough to get my attention. So, yes. So within your marriage, 33 years, what were some of the harder points of it? And how did you guys move past it? Um, I would say that... The harder parts have always been there and always will continue to be there. They're still present. It's it's really when our differences show up, whether it's in a small decision or a small conflict like spilt milk or a big decision, a, a big business decision or a retirement decision or a health decision, um, our differences show up. <laughs> and I'm a strong-willed person. And I would say <laughs> that the tension starts to build for me when he doesn't agree with me. 
I want him to agree with me. And that's not going to happen because we think differently. And then I tend to, to just have a lot of negative messages that come in that really don't match what's going on. But I would say that that just stirs up old wounds from my childhood or my past that's negative messages and you know that he basically boils down he doesn't love me he doesn't approve of me and that builds the tension in me and I just have to change my mindset to focus on what's happening right in front of us whether like I said it's spilt milk or a really big decision it's not about his approval or love for me it's not personal but you know I do love you yes I do okay. <laughs> um and I think I think for both of us, and I think for most people, those things rear their ugly heads the most when when life is pushing back at us, when life is hard, when there's stress and tension. And the trouble is, you know, we get married and life is great and everybody's in love. And then you start adulting more and life gets hard and there's stress and those things come to the surface. And we even had a stretch about five years into marriage we kind of call the dark years kind of jokingly, but true. We call the dark years now. Um, but it was that time where we were really struggling. We didn't have good conflict resolution skills and we were really struggling to, to manage our stress and all of that junk that was bubbling to the surface and figure that out. And we eventually did, which was kind of where the, the last book came from. But it is really challenging. Tammy said she's strong-willed. I tend to be very defensive. And those two things don't get along well <laughs> unless you work really hard and we have um, at figuring out what that dance looks like because it can either be an awful dance or it can be a, a pretty good dance. Mm. Okay. So Tammy, you said something earlier that I do want to circle back around because I have heard a lot of people kind of mention that, that at some point they kind of recognize that it's not so much about what the other person is doing or saying that's wrong, but it triggers some old wounds. And so could you, could you share some just insight on how you've worked past that or what you tell your clients to do when, when they recognize that and, and how to start moving past those lies that we so easily tend to believe? Well, it's always the best thing to do is to, to be able to stop and say, this is what I'm feeling right now as far as I feel like you're um, you're pulling away from me. I feel like you're calling me stupid. I feel like, uh, you don't accept who I am or flat out. I don't feel loved right now. That is hard to say. Cause when you're fighting, you don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want to be vulnerable. You want to hurt back. <laughs> That's how the, I, the conflict escalates. Um, but honestly, what I have to practice for myself is just reminding myself it's not personal. And sometimes I just need to look at Brad and say, I just need some reassurance right now. And Brad is the best at saying, we'll be okay. We'll be okay. We're okay. This is just about, you know, how we are agreeing to something, but we are okay. And he does that much better than I do because I, I'm the stubborn one and I'm looking for the exit to get out, you know, and that comes from how I was raised. There was a lot of exits in my life. And so that's what comes naturally. So I really have to sit there and tell myself, this is not personal. This is not about what it feels inside of me instinctually is that somehow the love is threatened and realize that it's just something that we're, we're struggling to figure out how to compromise on. It's about what's in front of us, not what's in my past. It's not what's behind. It's just what's right in front of us. Mm. Yeah, that's so powerful. 
one of the ways that we've said that in the past as well, too, is it's not it's it's rarely, rarely ever about that conflict, what's happening in the moment. But it's it's the feelings about that conflict or the feelings that are being stirred up by that conflict. Um, and that's something that's difficult to handle in that moment when there's a lot of tension and stress. But couples that want to have great marriages will circle back around to that and they'll say, hey, we're going to keep we're going to keep the temperature down during the conflict and get through it. But once we do, I need to personally circle back around and figure out what what that was that that stirred up in me and where that came from. And she needs to do the same and figure out where that came from, because it will be back at some point because we're human. Um, but if we can figure out what that thing is, then we might have a chance at, at keeping it in check the next time. And even for Brad, if I know him well enough, which I believe is what the emotional intimacy is, is to know and be known is sometimes if I stop long enough, I think I'm, I start realizing what is he defending? What is he, what am I saying? Cause it's probably not what I intend to say. Mm. And I might, be able to look at him and say, I'm not trying to control you. I'm not saying you're not doing a good job at something. I'm not saying it's not good enough. That's not what I'm saying. And that usually will calm things down, you know, and cause that might be what he's defending and I can't figure out what he's, why he's getting defensive and pulling away. And if I know him well enough, I usually could just kind of go through my mental files of like, Hmm, what are the typical core beliefs and messages about himself that are still there. They'll always be there. That's the bad news in it all, but we can sure tame it and manage it. <laughs> yeah. I heard some statistic thing from the Gottman Institute where it was like 70% of all conflicts never resolve in marriages, even, even really healthy ones. And um, his whole point was that it's not about being fully aligned ever because you probably won't ever be, but learning how to work past that and still choose each other through it. So yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the other overarching principles there is that, you know, in our culture, unfortunately, we, we kind of tend to think that marriage is all about being happy. And there's lots of happiness along the way. It's a great journey. But the end goal is not simply being happy. It really is about growing into the best version of ourselves. And when we think about that, you know, personal growth is hard. And if I'm if I'm taking myself on a journey towards personal growth, uh, there's lots of bumps along the way. If Tammy is encouraging me and supporting me in that personal growth and helping me be the best version that God intended of myself, there's bumps along the way. So yes, we would definitely agree with John Gottman. There, there are bumps along the way and you need to learn to, to work with mm -hmm. the bumps. Okay. So tell me about the book that you guys wrote. It's called Ready to Surrender. Um, it seems like you guys have so much just experience and wisdom on conflict resolution and, and what it means to work past your differences. Cause you're absolutely right. You're two different people that came from two different parents, very different homes. And it sounds like you guys are quite opposites in some ways. So <laughs> we are every personality we take test, we take we're completely opposite. <laughs> we just took the Enneagram uh, in the last three or four weeks and we are complete opposites. Like we we shouldn't even like each other, but look, we we really do. And, and part of that is, is we are intentional enough to say, we want these things to be comp complimentary, not, mm -hmm. you know, I don't agree with you. And so I, I'm mad at you kind of thing, but back to your question about the book, we kind of jokingly at one point said, it's the book that nobody wants, but everybody needs. Mm. Um, 
because people, people, when they're married, they don't like to talk about conflict. Um, you know, this isn't a whole interview on social media, but what social media has done to marriages is that it often makes us feel like we don't have the same marriage somebody else has. We don't have the same happy life somebody else has. We don't have, you know, what looks perfect on the outside for somebody else because we're so aware of our inside. Um, so the book was, uh, you know, we're at a place in our life where we can say we don't have to write uh, a book that everybody wants. We can write a book that we think they need. And if it sells 10 copies and helps 10 couples, we're, okay we're with that. so thankful <laughs> with that. And if it helps a thousand, we are so thankful <laughs> for that. Um, so it's a very different kind of book because it's very concise. Um, we know that when couples are in conflict, they don't have all kinds of headspace to say, Hey, let's dig into a couple of chapters together, you know, right, sweetie. <laughs> I mean, it's just not the right time to do that. So it's laid out in sections, uh, you know, kind of what, how to, how to approach things before an argument, during an argument and what to do following an argument. They're very concise, uh, principles Tools. Um, tools. It really is. Uh, it, it's a set of tools for your toolbox written in a very unique way. And it is a very particular kind of book. What did I miss? Well, I think you, you said everything. It's, it's just, it's the beginning. Um, and we have other things that we are thinking about putting together that will help in different phases of marriages. But we thought that this is a good place to start because couples there's so much conflict out there, but people don't want to admit it, you know, and they just need some good practical tools. And then we'll get a little deeper into some other challenges. Like, like I said, common in different phases of marriage in our, our next series of books. Yeah, that's incredible. Are there one or two takeaways um, from the book that you guys would want to share with our audience? Like if there's one, if, a, a few things from that book that you're like, I just wish I could tell every married couple this. One of the things that I would love people to know is that, and there's some great research on this, but more than 90% of the things that we have conflict about as couples, whether that's Tammy and I or anybody listening to this, over 90% of the things that we have conflict about are over matters of personal preference. I like blue, you like white, we're fighting over what color car to buy, right? Or, um, you know, in the book, we talk about funny story when we got married, we bought our first house together. Um, I was putting pots and pans in the shelf to the right of the stove. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm putting the pots and pans away. And she said, no, those go on the left side. And, you know, it was kind of this weird tense moment where we kind of both wanted to be right, but we realized, wait a minute, what's going on? We are both right. Uh, <laughs> yes. We were. Um, but that's, that's one thing I would really want people to wrap their heads around. Um, in other words, nine out of 10 things that we choose to argue about we don't need to. We can just take a deep breath and let them go, and it's okay. I think one of the takeaways is um, Brad and I really try to point out how important mentors are. And uh, we didn't have mentors, and we went into this completely ill-equipped. And like I said, there was there was more exit signs around us as far as what we were raised with than anything else. And so we surrounded ourselves with. Um, we went to, we, we'd save our money and we would go to every marriage conference. Every book we bought was on marriages. And so that was very important to us. And then when we started looking for people about 10 years older than us in a different, you know, just a, another phase of life, 
that we could go to when times were really tough. And we still have that. We have people about 10 years ahead of us. And I want, I, I can't stress how important that is for young couples all the way to older couples like us to still have that. Don't ever think you mm-hmm. have it all figured out because even in my practice, um, I'm mostly an affair recovery counselor. So I mean, talk about, you can't get much more broken than that or injured in a marriage. And it happens even in our phase of life more, more commonly than you think it happens in the church more often. And I just think, who are you going to? And there's so much pride. Oh, we don't go into anybody. We can't let anybody know these things, you know, or our problems. Like, no, you do need to have people that know your problems so they can help you. They could tell you it's going to be okay. And reassurance, whether it's from each other or if you're so broken, you got to get it from somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to our audience a little bit about advice around finding mentors like this. Like, how did you guys go about it? When in your marriage, what did that look like? When we first found mentors, honestly, it was completely by accident. We were starting to realize that we didn't have good conflict resolution skills. We didn't have good relationship skills because we never saw those modeled in our home, unfortunately. And we really didn't know that we needed mentors or, you know, that that was not built in uh, to our, our scenario. But what happened was uh, a church that we were a part of for a number of years, the pastor and his wife, we were just, we became really great friends with, and they're about 15 years older than us. And uh, we actually asked them at one point, hey, what would that look like if, if we could bounce things off of you from time to time, if we could run something by you that we're struggling with? And they said, absolutely. And they really became our mentors for a long time. And then seeing, seeing how that works, how that benefits us and, and really benefits them as well as they get to kind of hone their skills and, and keep those uh, in practice for themselves. It really is a win-win without a doubt. Prior to that, again, he, like I said, on accident, it was our, our accountant and his wife. And they actually lived close by and we had a brand new baby who was colic Mm. and Brad was gone for two and three days at a time at the fire station and thought I was losing my mind. And I would go over there and they would just sit with me and hold the crying baby and hold the crying mom and, you know, and just tell me it was going to be okay because their kids were about, you know, five, 10 years older than ours. And then even times when we were struggling our marriage, we would argue about money. Mm. You know, we would just go to them and they'd sit and very calmly tell us this was, they would normalize it for us and give us some practical tools, but just always reassure us and say, it's going to be okay. You don't need to get divorced over this. You know, you can work through it. Um, Very important. A lot of very important people in our life. Yeah. There's something just so powerful when the generations allow themselves to be in community together and there's just so much life that comes from that. And I think we don't quite do that enough today. No, no. And, and again, um, you know, social media is great and has its place, but that does tend to isolate us a bit more because we, we get that false sense of connecting with others, but there is nothing like going to dinner with an older couple, a younger couple, if you're older, you know, and just having that, that ability to be real and honest, uh, to keep each other in check and accountable. Uh, mm-hmm. it's such a good thing. Now, even just recently, as of last year, we were making a really big business decision about our counseling service. And it was our mentors that we have right now that, you know, we were making very emotional decisions and they said, no, listen, 
and helped us just really see the bigger picture and be able to look at our marriage and even just what it would do financially and emotionally. And they, they were able to just sit and be honest with us. How did you know that those were couples that you could trust? Because I think that's maybe the biggest hesitation with some of these people or some of the couples that I've talked to is they, they've maybe been in some bad church environments where things, um, maybe gossip happens and there's just a lot of trust issues, I think, even with wanting to share. Do you have any advice for couples in navigating through that? I probably uh, struggle with trust the most, mm-hmm. and but I also have really strong discernment. <laughs> but I don't go just with first impressions. I usually like to to get to know someone, and when they're honest about their challenges, if they're acting like they have it all together and they're not normalizing something or even being vulnerable with their own, then I'm thinking, well they're not going to understand, nor do I want to trust them. So when you start to do life with someone and you're, you're hearing their challenges and how they've overcome things and you can relate to it and they're very genuine, real, honest, authentic people, that's what you can trust. And, and it takes time, right? Mm -hmm. Building, building those kind of relationships, especially based on trust, take time. Uh, We all want to do that in a week or a month, but sometimes they take years uh, you know, I've been listening to a song lately that says you can't, you can't make old friends, right? <laughs> it just kind of has to be organically baked in. And so it's the same with mentors that the sooner you can start and, and building trust with other couples, um, the better off you're going to be 5, 10, 15 years from now. Okay, y'all, I have something super exciting to share with you. How many of you guys enjoy a glass of wine or two during date night or girls night? Well, let me introduce to you Wink, who makes it super easy to discover great wine from the comfort of your home, and that's W-I-N-C. Wink's wine expert selects wines matched to your taste, personalized for you, and ships it straight to your door, and it just starts at $13 a bottle. Did I mention there's no shipping cost? If you don't like a bottle they send you, they will replace the bottle with something that you love, no questions asked. And there's nothing quite like coming home to a bottle of wine that's selected just for you. All you have to do is fill out Wink's palette profile quiz, answer some simple questions that your average store clerk wouldn't ask or even translate into a recommendation. These questions include things like, how do you like coffee? Or how do you feel about blueberries? Then Wink sends wines curated to your taste, and the more wines that you rate, the more personalized your monthly selections become. Each month, there are new wines, like their insanely popular Summer Water Rosé. There's no membership fees. You can skip any month, cancel any time. Shipping is covered, and you can discover great wine today. All you have to do is go to wink.com, which is W-I-N-C.com, and we're giving you $22 off of your first shipment using a code LOVEINTENTLY, one word, and that's L-O-V-E-I-N-T-E-N-T-L-Y. Again, that's wink.com with a promo code of LOVEINTENTLY for $22 off. And did I mention that's almost two bottles on the house? So really, you got nothing to lose try out some great wine. Tell us how it is. Okay, I'm going to pivot the conversation a little bit and I wanted to bounce back and you guys mentioned every personality type 
our tests that you take, you are complete opposites. Uh, could you tell our audience a little bit of what you both are on the Enneagram and maybe some of the other personality types that you have, or tests that you have taken? <laughs> well, on the Enneagram, I'm a, um, let's see, I'm, I'm a very high I'm one, one, which is the reformer, which is also the rule follower. And, and just the other day we were, I was reading the newspaper in our town and the, the, the city council was making these decisions for this one big business trying to do something. And, and I was looking at, yeah, these are the rules and this business should not be disobeying the rules. Brad is a, a nine, which is a peacemaker and he sees mm-hmm. all sides. And we started like, getting a little heated about this. And finally I, I put the paper down, I'm like, but they weren't following the rules. And we just started laughing <laughs> because we knew that's why the tension was building. Cause Brad's like, well, let's look how everybody looks at this. I'm like, no, there's one way. So, so I'm a, I'm a five and a nine on the Enneagram. The five is observer, which means I sit back and I ponder things and I really take them in. I'm, I'm a thinker. So she'll, like in that moment. A year later, he comes up with what he spot In that moment, she kind of wants to talk about that. And, yeah. I, and I want to sit back and ponder a little bit. And then I'm also five and nine, the peacemaker. And so, yes, I'm trying to look at both sides and see it from both sides. And um, she's a bit. I'm a high three. Quicker. Which is achiever. And I just want to make decisions. I. I go for it. I'm also a six, which is, um, so I'm one, three and six are my highest numbers. And six is the loyalist. It's I'm very loyal, but I'm also in the six when it's unhealthy. It's everything's what if, what if fear, what if, oh my gosh, you know, um, so he calms me down. So that's how we balance each other. When he's taking a year to make a decision or avoiding something. I'm usually, Hey, clock's ticking. Or, you know, we talked about this six months ago. You don't think I forgot, do you? <laughs> wow. And, and some of that, I mentioned this before, but we really have learned to see beauty in the balance. And, you know, we've used that mm-hmm. phrase a lot, but see the beauty in the balance. The reality is if I was married to somebody like me, it would be fun for a time and then it would get awfully, awfully boring, but there's a balance in what we do together. And, you know, God didn't build every strength into me or every weakness, nor into Tammy, but together, you know, we're a powerhouse together. Mm-hmm. We can be a team to be reckoned with. We use the hashtag team us all the time on social media because mm-hmm. together, you know, we're, we're unstoppable. And I think that's the way God intended it. Because even in, let's just take the one number the nine and the peacemaker, I think I'm a four, which I mean, I'm just, we took a certain one. So this might throw people off when we say the, the numbers, because in some tests they take them, a four would mean that that's their high number, but that's, I'm very low in Peacemaker. He's very high. I should say it that way. So I don't confuse people. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But it's funny because we balance each other because I'm, I'm like, there's no, we're not talking about peace. We need to make a decision right now. And he balances <laughs> like, well, let's look at everything in it and talk it through. So it does, it can complement each other. <laughs> and even back to that balance and back to trust that we talked about and, and conflict and all of that. I mean, over, over 35 years together, 37 years together, if we include, include the time we were dating 33 married for dating. Um, like Tammy mentioned, she has great discernment. She has phenomenal discernment. 
And I've learned to trust that in her, mm-hmm. right? So even though I don't have amazing discernment, I have a life partner that has amazing discernment and I get to leverage that, right? So we really have learned to do that so that um, we're, we're better. We're better together, without a doubt. Even in, I think, the Myers-Briggs, he is an ENFJ. So he's an extrovert. I'm an introvert. Um, he's the feeler. I'm the thinker, believe it or not. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but not according to the Enneagram. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's very funny. <laughs> and I'm the counselor. He actually scores all the counselor numbers. I don't know. I have a waiting list of people trying to get in for like three to six months. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know why they come and see me. But I think it's just, he balances me and I sit back and I, I, he teaches me some things, but he should be the counselor. He'd be good. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you're a team. Well, um, I would love to hear what are some of your favorite things about each other? I would say I love the most that I know how much Tammy loves me because of the way that she loves me. Um, and again, this goes back to love languages and personality tests and, and, you know, working it out together and all of that stuff. But over the years, what all that has uh, amounted to is Tammy knows how to love me well, and she does it so well. Um, it's kind of a fun little story, but, uh, there's a there's an artist that I like that she doesn't like, um, and for my birthday last month she bought me tickets two one for her one for me Aww. to go see this artist and we're going to see him next week we're flying to go see him it's a really big fun thing I and, wrote on his card I must really love you <laughs> and who is this artist like she knows she knows what it takes to make me feel deeply deeply loved we're going to see Dave Barn yeah. she asked who's the artist oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yes yes. He's the mushy one. He's the romantic. I'm not. I'm not as romantic and cuddly. He's the cuddly romantic one. Um, it's it's pretty funny. Um, I think my favorite parts of Brad are he just he doesn't give up on me or our marriage, or our family. Um, even though he has more divorces in his family than than I do, he just is a fighter for for love and. Um, I remember we're about eight years into our marriage and I just, it, it was tough. We had two kids and money was hard and we were just, it seems like we were always in conflict and um, weren't connecting. And, and I, I remember sitting in the car and I was like, I don't know if I want to be married anymore. I just don't know. And he just looked at me and he's like, I will not stop fighting for us or you. And it, it took me by surprise. And I remember, I still remember it clear as day. I remember thinking, I wonder what that looks like to have someone fight for me. And it made me want to see what that looks like because I'd mm-hmm. never heard that or seen it or experienced it. And I still remember that. It's so funny because he does not remember that, but it was pivotal to mm-hmm. me for him to say that. And he just, he supports me in my crazy ideas. He's, he, he, he catches me when I make mistakes and those crazy ideas don't work out. He takes all my insecurities and loves me for, you know, who I am as a mom, as a wife. Um, he loves me. And as I get old, I don't feel pretty anymore. I look in his eyes and I think, okay, he thinks I'm pretty. (laughs) Wow. 
were these conversations you guys had? Because I think that's something that I don't think I've heard from many couples is that you guys made divorce, not even really an option on the table, even though it was so common within your family. What were the things that made that different for you? Or how did you guys change that mindset? Because I think there's a lot of couples or people out there that want that, but I think that like how to start changing your mind around that is, isn't so easy. We knew early on because of the effect that our broken families had on us, we knew that there was a legacy involved Mm -hmm. and we wanted to change that legacy. Um, So from the beginning, we pretty much said, I mean, we didn't say this in words to each other, but we, we kind of knew that we don't know what we're doing. We love each other desperately. We don't know what we're doing. And we had better put God at the center of this thing or we're going to be in trouble. And so I think it's really knowing that God's at the center the whole time, the whole journey, and knowing that there's a legacy in this that's much bigger than us, that will outlive us by a lot uh, if we do it right and also if we do it wrong. Um, and so it's that it's that legacy that we, we really strive for. And I would say that couples, you are kind of ties into the mentoring. I mean, if you don't have, if, if you're feeling like, I don't know if I could stay married to this person, don't just go with that gut decision, you know, read a good marriage book, go to a marriage conference, go to a marriage counselor. If you don't have people that you can turn to that you feel like can trust, you can trust. I mean, we, people that mentored us, don't even know who we are because we were sitting in a, a room of, you know, 10,000 people because it was a marriage conference. You know, that those were our mentors in the beginning until we built relationships. So I think just surrounding you with reasons why you should stay instead of believing, you know, all the reasons why you should go, mm. um, surround you with other options. You know, I, I usually tell my clients, I know you think that there's only two doors, the exit, or staying, I said, but there's door number three as well, which is doing something different. You know, you don't have to stay in the marriage the way it is. That's not the only choice. The only second choice isn't to leave it. What about door number three? Mm. Let's, let's change it. <laughs> yes. Do you know who Michael Hyatt is? Michael Hyatt? He's a leadership. Michael Hyatt does a lot of leadership stuff. Uh, phenomenal. You should check him out. Uh, you would love him. Okay. Michael Hyatt, when he talks about leadership, um, he talks about the difference between intentionality and leadership and drifting and how we're one or the other. And if we don't know which one we are, we're drifting, right? And, and I really think it's the same in marriage that we're, we either decide to be intentional or we drift. And I think one of the big problems uh, that starts that snowball effect in the wrong direction for couples is they're not intentional enough and they start drifting. And then, you know, three or five years later, they say, I'm not sure I like you right now. What happened to that person I married? You changed. And, and so all of that for Tammy and I has always been about being intentional. Mm. What can I, what can I learn about her? What can I learn about me and, and my issues, the stuff that I'm working through um, to help us have a better relationship and leave that legacy? Mm, that's so powerful. Yeah, I fully believe that too is a part of my story is me and my rela- my relationship with my parents is what really inspired me to dive into all of this. Is we were just really, really different, different cultures. I'm an only yeah. child. 
Um, and we just came to a point where I was fighting with them every other time I talked to them, if not more. And mm-hmm. I realized that like I couldn't live the rest of my life like that. Our, our years were just so numbered. But I remember deciding to be more intentional to just learn them. And then over time, as I changed, they changed. And, and I that's when I really saw what redemption and restoration looks like. And so yes. I think even in marriages, especially... Um, that that's just there's so so much power around that you were either intentional or redrifting and so thanks for yeah. sharing that something I did want to ask was you guys have mentioned books and marriage conferences a little bit I wanted to ask if you guys had a couple favorites and also when you went to your first marriage conference and when you would recommend couples to start looking into that a weekend to remember was one of our first, first marriage ones. conferences, and our kids that are married go to have been going to those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and Tammy mentioned earlier we really would go to every one we could find. I mean, those were the big ones, and they're still phenomenal. But you Hume know, Lake. we'd go to one at our church. We'd go to Hume Lake. We'd go to Forest Home. We we would just find whatever we could because we knew if we weren't being intentional, we were going to be in trouble at some point. And then books. Marriage books. Um, How we love. Do we have them on our website? I know I have them on our counseling website. We have yeah. a resource page that's in marriages, but um, yeah. there's everybody, every couple should read Boundaries in Marriage by Cloud mm-hmm. and Townsend, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. How we love by uh, the Yurkovich. Um, yep. Uh, that's a good one. Shante Feldhahn. Uh, Shante and Jeff wrote for men only, for women only. Those, those are just good practical tools right there. And then uh, Sue Johnson writes one. Um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Hold me tight. Yeah. Hold me tight. That's that's okay. It. okay. <laughs> that's a that's another really good one. Um, those are probably our top. In fact, when Brad and I are invited to a wedding. We take all of our favorite books and we start out that couple with marriage books for their first, you know, their library. That's, that's what we give every time. So we always give them our favorite marriage books. And, and for young couples just starting out, I would say for men only, for women only. Uh, so, it's such a fun read and there's lots of little nuggets about, uh, like for men only talked about Tammy, how Tammy thinks and why she thinks that way. And I remember scoffing loud that there's no way this could be correct and tammy said tammy said let me read that and i gave her the book and i said ah this book and she read it and she said yeah that's exactly right and it just prompted such a great conversation between the two of us so one of our favorites wow okay i will definitely link all that into our show notes and thanks for sharing um okay so i have three more questions the first one is what are you currently working on where can people find you and how can we support you Currently working on. So um, we have been brainstorming this idea for a while. And and what we're doing is we're going to come up with a series of five or six books that basically we're going to call uh, our working title is Tandem Marriage Stages. So it's all about stages of marriage because uh, dating and early marriage is one thing. And there's certain challenges that go with that, although there's certain constants as well. Um, you know, uh, communication, family, money, those things are, are constant throughout a relationship, but they look a little bit different in the beginning. Um, there would be, uh, you know, like an early family uh, book that would help couples 
uh, navigate that and navigate it well and figure out how to make big decisions about kids and, and school and, and parenting styles and, and, you know, the things that you need to think about. Um, all the way up to and including, um, you know, somebody who maybe has white hair. <laughs> Retirement and, and your kids are moved out, grandparenting. I mean, all those are what we all dream about when we're younger. But, you know, it has challenges that you just don't expect. And, and so we just want to write all the way up to what we have experienced so far. And in each one of those, like Brad said, we'll include one um, key point, let's say it's romance. How does romance look when you're you're first married, first three to five years? Then what does romance look like when you've been married 30 plus years? You know, so it'll it'll be in each of the books. What is, um, you know, conflict look like? What is, like you said, boundaries with families and just health, how to make decisions, conflict. All of them will be carried through, but what it looks like, how it changes in phases of life. And all of this is based um, not only on our own experience together, but based on our experience with other couples. And uh, if I can mention it here, we have a we have a page set up on our website that nobody can see, but we tell people about it from time to time. And it's tandemmarriage.com slash ask. Mm-hmm. If they go there, they're going to see a series of, I think there's five questions where basically we want to we want to connect with people. We want to understand where they're at and how we can help them. And that's kind of our way of um, doing research with couples. And And everybody who sends something in through that Ask page, we respond to everyone personally um, because we really need to understand where couples are at and how we can best serve them. Mm. And that's, that's what's going into the Stages books. And also the Stages book, for me personally, I mean, I spend each day repairing such broken marriages that my passion is, gosh, if I could actually prevent people from reaching this point, Mm. what a joy it would be for me. I mean, that's where my ministry comes in. That's where passion comes in. Um, And so it's in those ways. I feel like, gosh, I have something to share, not only in our own marriage, but what I do each and every day in other people's marriages. And so it's not just our own life experiences. I have hundreds and thousands of other people's life experiences in every aspect of their life um, from, you know, trying to make big decisions in life to what it looks, problems in, in romance and in the bedroom, you know? And so we have those things that we want to share and hopefully keep people from, you know, they're not, they're not going to avoid problems and trials, but what they could do to manage them and work through them and be better as a result of them. Right. Are there particular things that, set the couples apart that the ones that you, they come and see you that make it work versus the ones that don't like, are there certain characteristics or traits that they just cannot get over? Mm-hmm. Good question. Mm-hmm. It's a very good question. Mm-hmm. Um, usually I could tell in the first three to five sessions, I just get this feeling, you know, I could see something in a couple they're going to make it. And it is the, the willing to change themselves instead of change the other. You know, when you sit in humility and you are desperate to be different, to make changes because you realize you're a contributor to the problem, you're not just a victim of it, but you're actually a contributor. <laughs> um, those are the ones that I have so much hope for because I'm like, I, all I need is two people willing to change and we nothing's stopping us. And I look at them like nothing. If you're willing, nothing is stopping us. You guys are going to be great. You know, but what gets in the way is their pride. Mm. That's so powerful. But then there's the direct me and I'll call their pride out. (laughs) (laughs) I will. And 
and they line up to see me still. <laughs> and you believe it? <laughs> I can't tell you how many times this happens that, you know, a couple will come to see Tammy for marriage counseling. And the husband or the wife is just thinking, I can't wait till that moment when Tammy tells my significant other what they need to do to change. The problem is that if I feel that way about my wife, I have no control over change whatsoever, right? So there's this big aha moment when people realize I need to change and I have complete control over that change. And that's when they start to move forward. Yes, so powerful. And I think that's a big part of everything that's out there that we don't recognize is the victim mentality is I think media really feeds into that. And just because we use mm-hmm. fear tactics, but once we, yeah. or that you deserve to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> but once we take ownership of the things that we can change, no one around us can stay the same. Um, so. I like it. Okay. So the next question is what is the best relationship advice that you have ever received or could give? Um, if this was a piece of advice that, you know, all the things that you have ever written uh, and done went away, and this was the one thing that you could leave behind, what would you say? I I think one of the one of the best pieces of relationship advice we could give is to always seek relationship advice. Let me tell you what I mean by that. So again, early on, we realized we had a we had a deficit. We didn't have families that were intact that we could go to. So. I think we had been married about maybe six or seven years and we started seeking out older couples that looked like they were doing something right. And we would ask them, Hey, what's your secret to a happy marriage? So like one of these stories, we were actually at a wedding uh, for a friend and we saw this couple on the dance floor. They were probably in their sixties and they were having a ball. And we thought, what does this couple do that, that allows them to enjoy every moment of life together or so it seems. And so <laughs> we decided we were going to dance and purposely dance up next to them and ask them for their best relationship advice, which has become some of the best advice we've ever heard. Mm. So if that makes sense, we have always been learners, uh, students of marriage, really, that have been willing to ask other people for advice. And we've just learned some amazing things. Aren't you dying to know what that advice was? <laughs> yes. Now I'm like, what did they tell you? <laughs> well, this is what's funny. So actually, I think they were closer to their 80s. It was mm-hmm. it was an older couple. I think it was the great grandparents of this couple that was getting married. Uh-huh. And so we asked them, and we have never heard anybody else since you know since we've been asking this question ever have this response, and it was so profound. And they said it without even thinking yeah. about it. They said there was forgiveness in the touching of feet. That's exactly what they said. And so we said, tell us about that. <laughs> and so they said, at the end of the day, and you crawl in bed and you've been in conflict, he said, one of you's got to slide your foot over and touch the other. And, and let when you touch their foot, try to stay there, <laughs> even if it's bad, <laughs> because suddenly all that starts to die away. And it's just saying, we're okay. It's reassurance. We're going to be okay. We can just sleep on this and know that we're going to be okay. And forgiveness starts at the touching of feet. (laughs) And on the other hand, if you reach your foot over to make sure you're okay for the day and somebody pulls away. Like me. (laughs) Then then that gives me the chance to say, "Uh uh-oh, what did I miss today? I offended her somehow. 
I don't know what I did. Let me think that through. Um, it really is. It's a great check and balance for a marriage. Um, and we learned that from complete strangers. Wow. So yeah. does it change every night who touches who first? <laughs> uh, actually, Tammy has has probably became uh, become the major initiator of foot touching. Um, she's, she's really stepped it up. I stepped it up. It didn't come easy because I'm stubborn, but it would, Brad would make me laugh because I would pull my foot away and his feet would chase my feet all the way to where almost they're hanging off the bed. And then I just start cracking up. No one makes me laugh as much as Brad does. He can make me laugh. And then I'll just, I can't be mad and laugh at the same time. <laughs> okay. My last question is what does it mean to you to love intently? I think for me personally is, is I need to ignore, I know this is going to sound strange, but ignore what comes naturally or instinctually. Mm. Okay. So I told you a little bit about my stories and my core beliefs. And so if I do what my instincts are telling me to do, I'm going to run. I'm going to find an exit and I'm going to run. So I think to love intently is to be deliberate about not going with what I'm emotionally feeling at that time, but, but actually looking at Brad and to realize what's happening and that he does love me and he's fighting for us and to believe that and be deliberate about being willing and open and, and, um, being willing to just ignore what's coming, flooding my, my mind, you know, my feet just want to go. Um, so to love intently means to be deliberate about doing something different than what comes naturally. <laughs> Cause that's, that's from my past, not from my present. And I would add that great marriages don't happen by accident. You know, this again goes back to the idea of, are you intentional or are you drifting? Um, and in fact, when I first saw what you were doing with Love Intently uh, via Dale Partridge, shout out. Oh, um, I didn't know that. <laughs> right? Um, when I first saw that, I saw the name Love Intently and I said, yes, somebody gets it. Like, you have to love intently or is it even really love? You have to. Mm. So they don't happen. Great marriages don't happen by accident. You have to be intentional. Man, I just want to end this by saying and acknowledging both of you for the work that you do and all of the time and and ways that you have invested in other couples. I know there's hundreds, if not thousands of couples at this point that have benefited by the little posts that you put out or books that you've written or just people that you see day to day. And I just want to thank both of you for the lights that you are, the love that you share. Because mm. I know that both of you have been kind of some uh, I would say virtual mentors of mine in this space. And so it's been really Aww. encouraging to have other, even older couples in later stages of their marriage um, to be able to walk alongside. So thank you for doing what you do. This world so desperately needs it. And I'm so excited to just share your story and all the amazing things that you do with our audience. Well, it's thank, an honor. Thank you so much. We, we love what you're doing. We love the platform that you've created uh, and the voice that you have. It's amazing. Um, and we're really honored to be a part of that. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a review so that others can join the conversation as well. Join our incredible community of 44,000 others on Instagram and let us know what you think at love.intently. 
Lastly, if you want to support what we're doing and to be a part of building a world that loves intently, you can do so with any dollar amount at our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash loveintently. Yes, even as little as $2 a month would be so helpful. Until next time, with love and intention.